0: Welcome to the Victory Life Church podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at blcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation.
1: We're going to talk about some things today and it's kind of our, a vision for our future. And uh, I've kind of thought about how would I explain this to you, what's happening. On December the 11th, we are going to be voting on a new lead pastor. What does that look like and what's involved in that? And what will I be doing and what will he be doing? We're going to try to unpackage that in the next few minutes. So I wanted to give you a couple pictures of what I'm talking about. We'll use the word, sort of the title for this morning's talk and ministry and message called repositioning, repositioning. So I want you to think biblically of John the Baptist and Jesus. God commissioned John the Baptist to have a great ministry, in fact, God said he had the greatest ministry and he was the greatest prophet of all the prophets that walked the face of the earth. His job was to prepare the way for the kingdom of God and for the king of kings to walk on the face of this earth and to prepare their hearts. And he said, when many began following Jesus to his followers, he said, or actually they said, hey, don't you realize people are following Jesus now and he's taking away people from you? And John the Baptist said, well, th- this must take place. I must decrease and he must increase. That's one picture I leave you about kind of what's taking place at the end of this year and next year. The other picture I want to give you is a secular example of Pat Riley. How many know who Pat Riley is? It's you guys been living under a rock? No, I'm just teasing you. Pat Riley is the president uh, of the Miami Heat. Now he was the coach of three different teams of the LA Lakers, the Knicks, and then of course the Miami Heat. He won five NBA championships and one with the one as a coach with the Miami Hurricanes. And then he wanted to reposition himself in the organization and not leave the organization. And so he selected Eric Spolstra as the next coach of the Miami Heat. And of course, the coach ended up winning two NBA championships back to back. Actually, they went to the NBA finals four times. But really, uh, Pat Riley had a lot to do with that success because behind the scenes, He was trying to build a dynamic duo. See, they already had Dwayne Wade, but he was able to reel in none other than LeBron James and Chris Bosh that would help usher in that great championship team of 2012 and 2013. And so he was very much a part and still is very much a part of the success that the Miami Heat is having right at this time. So those are two pictures I give you to kind of help you understand what I will be doing and what Jacob will be doing in the near future. We're going to unpackage that. So I'm going to invite Jacob up here as I lead us in a time of prayer. Father, I pray that uh, Well, everything is not perfectly choreographed. We're going to sit down and talk to them about you, about your church, and about the future of this church. And I pray that you will bless the hearts and minds of those looking in online and those present this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we're going to sort of sit down this morning as we kind of talk to you about what's taking place in the life of VLC. And um, I I basically want to remind you that... uh, What a privilege it is to pastor this church and then look out for her future. You see, Paul raised up another Timothy so that he could take the baton from him and continue uh, advancing the kingdom of God all over the Middle East. And so I believe it is my privilege to honor God in this church by planning for the future. I think John Maxwell said, You fail the plan. You plan to fail. And so, this church has enjoyed much success over the last 25 years that I've been the, the, the lead pastor of this church. And so, in order, to, um, in order to be able to put my confidence in someone else, I have to know about what they're calling us. Because actually, on December 11th, we're going to vote on Jacob becoming the lead pastor. Now, that means he's going to become my pastor, too. And that means Amen. he better. He's been finally waiting to get back at me, you know, being dad and pastor after all these years. So it, it, I want to look at four things as we think about becoming the lead pastor. I think about a calling in a person's life. And then kind of unwrapping the specifics of that calling. And then I think about the, the actual passion or vision that we have for a church in general. I want to talk about that with Jacob. And then, of course, the vision for VLC, okay? Those are the four things that I'd like to talk about this morning. So as we unpackage this this morning, I want Jacob, you, to tell us a little bit about this passion that you have because not everybody has a passion to become a pastor of a church. Um, In fact, someone has said, if you have a passion to become a pastor, ask yourself this question. If you can do anything else, do it. So tell uh, us and the congregation a little bit about this calling and passion you have on your life.
0: Well thank you Dad for having me and VLC for having me I'm, I'm extremely blessed to be here and be a part of such an amazing church but it all goes back to uh, the year 2000 and that was when the, that was when I gave my life to the Lord. I was sitting at a dining room table reading the Bible and my dad was over there and And he wasn't pressuring me, but he was like, what are you reading? And let's talk about it. And so it was in 2000 in January that I gave my life to the Lord. And since then, it was, you know, growing up in church. I always tell people, I got the Bible preached at me at church. I went to a Christian school, so I got it preached at me at school. And then I grew up as a pastor's kid, so I got it preached at me at home for all of my life until I moved out. In fact, we would, you know, my dad would drag us out of bed at six something in the morning and do devotionals. And there we were, barely awake, reading the Bible. And he would make us read the Bible, by the way. He wouldn't read it. He'd make us read it at six in the morning. So that was really my journey, you know, in in the faith at a young age. And I I loved the Lord and I, I tried to do what was right. I was passionate about like sports. So as any young kid who was passionate about sports, I had no intentions of becoming a pastor. I wanted to be in the and the, uh, you know, MBA and the MLB, I realized when I got to high school that the MBA was, was out of my uh, height range. And so uh, I, I pursued baseball a little bit more. And, and then God began to do something, you know, at 17 years old, I'll never forget where I was. I was uh, in, in, the, in the valley in Cahutta Springs, Georgia. And I was in a, a room like this. And there was a guy by the name of Roger Glidewell who was preaching. And he got up there and he was like, he was talking about callings and that was probably the first time I ever heard the word calling I had no idea what what that meant for me but it was clear that there was something in my life because you could just you know those moments when you're in church and you're like I think the pastor knows everything about me right now I didn't tell him anything and there was just this moment at 17 years old I can, I can remember where I was sitting I remember how dark the room was and he said if you feel that God has called you into ministry again that word ministry was I didn't really know what that meant I just knew that I saw my dad and I saw my mom serving in church ministry and I figured, man, that, that's gotta be what God has for me. The MBA wasn't working out and the MLB wasn't working out, so it's gotta be this. But I just felt, and he's like, if that's, if that's you and you feel this calling to ministry, then I want you to stand up. And without hesitation, I stood up. I was like, I'm all in. And which then started my journey. Dad, you remember, I was like now looking for a job. I knew I had to go to school. Because my dad said, if you live in this house, you got to go to school. So I went to school, and I was working at Chick-fil-A, home of the great, you know, Jesus Chicken. And I was trying to find out where God wanted me to be. I grew up in this church my whole life, and, I, and there really wasn't a – I think I asked you, you know, Dad, can you hire me? And you're like, no. But uh, my brother was already working here, so I was like – I wanted to do music, and I wanted to do church. And so uh, we went on this little venture of looking for where God had me, and it was in 2012 – in January, I prayed a prayer that I've never prayed before, and I prayed in such a way that I never prayed before. I said, God, by the end of this year, I want to know what church you have for me. That was kind of bold, and I was like, ah, I mean, I've got to be a little more sensitive, God. And I was like, no, I'm going to be bold, God, because I want to know. And I started in January. I prayed every day. I was home. I was, you know, trying to. I was doing some things in the church, but I was really looking for a place and it was in December 2nd of that year that I got hired as a full-time at a church in Boca Raton called Victory. At the time, it was Victory Christian Center where I would be for eight plus years. And so uh, and God was very good to me and I was, I was raised in a great home. And uh, so credit to you and, and mom. Mom, you did a great job. Love you, mom.
1: The calling of God on someone's life. By the way, because this is a A service, I want to remind you that the calling of God is on everyone's life. So whether you're a plumber or you're a lawyer or a doctor or a mechanic, that's a calling of God on your lives. And I want to prove that to you by reading a passage of Scripture found in Exodus 31. Because as a pastor, I realize I'm no more special than you are. Jacob's no more special than you are. We just happen to be talking about not uh, someone becoming the coach of the of the Miami Heat, but we're talking about someone becoming the lead pastor of this church. So that, in that sense, um, the the time is and the focus is on us. But I I want to remind you that your calling is special, also. So let's look at this. Um, as as God set aside Israel to become a the lead nation, He had a calling on their lives and. Anybody that had anything to do with the temple of God, there was an anointing on their lives. And so I want to pick up in verse, chapter 31, beginning in verse 1. And the Lord said to Moses, see, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Ur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom and understanding with knowledge and with all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stone, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I have appointed Oholiab and Ahishamak of the tribe of Dan to help him. Also, I have given ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I have commanded, commanded you the tent of meeting, the ark of the covenant law, and the atonement cover on it, and all the other furnishings of the tent, the table, its articles, the pure gold lampstand, and all its accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offerings, and all its utensils, the basins with its stand, and also the woven garments, both the sacred garments for Aaron, the priest, and the garments for his sons when they served as priests in the anointing oil and fragrant incense for the holy place. They are to make them just as I commanded you. Now, there's a reason for reading that because sometimes there's a tendency when you come to the house of God and it seems to be all about the ministers that are ministering to you. Really, your calling is very, very special also. Just like God didn't make Everything, a dog or a cat or a horse, he, he made this uh, beautiful chemistry in the world that we live in. Everything plays a role, and you play a role in the kingdom of God. And your job is a platform to glorify Jesus Christ, and it is every bit of importance to God as our job is. Do you get that? Do you understand that? Your calling is special. Being, carrying a baby, like God asked Elizabeth to carry a baby and asked Mary to carry a baby. Being a mother is very special. So that's your platform to glorify God, and he wants you to do that. We have a different platform, <clears throat> so I want to just mention just a little bit about what that involves because there may be some people like Jacob, like myself in here, that need to understand well how do i know that god isn't calling me into full time ministry and so i just want to elaborate on that from first timothy 3:1 the bible tells us as clergy that if we desire to be a pastor an overseer or a bishop or a shepherd those are all synonymous terms in first timothy in fact this is what it this is how it reads this is a faithful saying If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. So if you're out here and you're wondering, do I have this calling on my life? First of all, you have a passion, an overwhelming passion. From the day I received Christ, I began to have a passion for his kingdom. And then I would go to work and all I want to do is talk about the kingdom of God it wasn't that I was lazy I remember going to my first job going okay this guy is building or assembling two doors I'm gonna to try to build four doors beat him and how many doors he does an hour so then I would have time to talk about Jesus well I didn't realize I wasn't supposed to do that on my first job when I got saved so I, I, I wanted to work hard but I also wanted to communicate the gospel I tried to do many things I did many jobs. I tried to do a little bit of of truck driving. I tried to do acting. I tried to do insurance. But I felt the overwhelming desire to dedicate myself full time to doing this work. So if you're here and you're wondering, is this what God wants me to do with my life? First of all, you have to have that strong desire to be a shepherd and care for people. The second thing that needs to take place is that... it needs to be declared. So think of the three Ds, desire, declared, indoors. The second thing is the other saints need to declare that to you. I see that calling on your life. And so not only have you seen that calling on Jacob's life, but we brought a, a sounding board team that I've introduced you to that have also looked into the life of Jacob and said, you know, we see that calling on his life. So secondly, if you sense that calling on your life, And there are many people that God has used in my ministry that he has called full-time into the work of God, besides many in my own family. Other people will see that gift in you, and they will tell you, and they will communicate to you. They will declare that gift is in you. And the third thing is doors will open. Doors will open for you to follow that calling. You don't have to open them. God will open them for you. And so... Um, if you desire to be a shepherd, as I feel that Jacob has demonstrated to you, to God, to all of us, he has a passion to be a shepherd, a bishop. So you need to know that calling. I needed to know that calling before you or I would want him to become the lead pastor. But remember, your calling in your vocation is just as every bit as important as our calling. We work together to advance the kingdom of God.
0: Yeah, you know, I'll never forget, I heard somebody say, and I know we have a few plumbers in here, but somebody said, we need to get just as excited as people being called into the plumbing ministry as the church ministry, because who knows? I even think about teachers, you know, teachers in school. Like, they're around people more than we are, more than some parents are. Like, that is a specific calling that we've got we've to nurture and, and get excited and celebrate because God is doing things in schools. He's doing things here, but he's... He's doing things where you're going. If you've got a calling on your life, God will use you wherever you go and with whatever you do. And I, I, I never wanted to do it. There was never a desire to do anything else when I really understood 17, 18, 19, 20. Like, God, this, was, this, is, this is what I want to give my life for. I don't want to do anything else. I want to help be a part of a church. I want to help be a part of building a kingdom. I knew I could do that anywhere, but I didn't want to anywhere. This is where... This is where I wanted yeah, to do. Yeah,
1: actually, our calling is to is to disciple the people to do the very thing that you and me yeah. had a passion for, and that is to win people to Jesus Christ. I always like what Tim Tebow said. Again, his job at that time, being a football player, was a platform to communicate the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your job is a platform. So I, I want to go now and turn the corner a little bit and and zero in on this calling of God as it pertains to ministry. Not the church, but pertains to ministry. And I think of three things, Jacob, and that is your personal life, your family, and then your passion for the kingdom of God. The Bible tells us that we must have a walk that is observed by everybody in Timothy. It talks about that. But, but the passion to want to walk with God. Let me read a couple of scriptures and I'm going to ask about this personal growth and passion that you have in your own life. In 2 Peter 3.18, the scripture says to each one of us, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be glory now and forever. So there should be a desire to grow in God. In fact, Peter amplifies this in the second chapter, 1 Peter 2, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babes, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. And now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So Jacob, when I received Christ as my savior, there was a passion to absorb God's word. There was a passion to memorize God's word. There was a passion to then go to school. There was a passion to make sure that everyone could see Jesus Christ in me. And there was a lot of cleaning up I had to do. And I've told you in my journey just about sports, how I've had to make sure even to this past week, playing a game of pickleball, and the guy playing next to me doing a lousy job, or Jacob playing with me. We won the tournament at, uh, at uh, Band of Brothers. And so Jacob's playing right next to me, right, and I think I'm doing a great job, and Jacob's doing a good job. But then he starts dinking the ball again. Well, we got these funky paddles that they bought in Band of Brothers, not really good paddles, and these paddles aren't designed to dink, and we're in the lead. And so Jacob starts dinking again. And they're not going over than that. They're falling on this side. I felt bad
0: because we were beating them so bad that I wanted them to feel good.
1: Jacob, Jacob, come on, quit thinking. And 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 I just felt that uh, that nastiness coming up. I want to win at all costs. Don't you let me down. Not not even considering how I'm playing, but I thought I was praying pretty good, and Jacob was. Well, there
0: there was a teachable moment for him at that 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 time (laughs) that I got to step in, and say, Dad, it's not about winning. But That's it's about true. being a testimony yeah. <laughs> out here. <laughs> and we won. Uh, yeah, we won.
1: So we honored God. So uh, I, I'm kind of being, uh, trying, trying to be humble about the fact that, <laughs> that it's a journey. Journey becoming like Christ. But there's a passion that my personal life, that you would be able to see Christ in me. Because the scripture teaches us in Timothy, you must have a good report from within and without. The Bible teaches us that. So what do you feel about this subject, about personal growth, and what are you doing about your own personal growth in Christ Jesus, Jacob?
0: Well, if I go back to, you know, this verse that's been kind of a staple for me, and it's found in Philippians chapter 2. You know, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but value others above yourself. Amen. Not putting your own interests before yours, but each to, your, you know, to the other interests above your own. And so there was this, this, this idea always in me, even since I was little. Like, my little brother and I used to wrestle, and at the time I was half his size. And I used to, you know, I joke about feeling bad for the other person losing. Like, that, that's, that's been the, the, my crutch of my competitiveness is that I, I start to feel for the person that's, that's losing. And so I would wrestle my little brother, and I'd, just, I'd, I'd beat him up, and then I would, you know, feel bad, and I'd let him beat me up. So he could feel good about beating me up and telling his friends that he beat his brother who's twice the size of him. You believe that? <laughs> my mom knows, and he knows, because I, I talked to him on the phone the other day and I was like, You remember? He's like, Yeah, I remember. Now he now he might be able to beat me up. But my mom used to always say, Jacob, you're not a fighter, you're a lover. And I was like, I rebuke that. But then, but then what I got to, to understand is that it was just, it was part of me, um, you know, it was always part of me. I, I always had this. This heart for other people. I always wanted to serve other people. I always wanted to sacrifice for other people. It was like second nature. Now I had my years of, of you know, thinking that I was bigger and better than everybody else and trying to bully people around, but that, that was rare. Um, but then I got to like my mid-teenage years, and it was very clear to me, like, I'm not here to live for myself, but I have to live here for others. And it, and it was an immature understanding for sure at that point because I didn't really know much. I, I knew the word, and Dad, I'd say the difference between me and you was, you know, you were saved from much, and so you loved much. Man, I thank God that I, I wasn't saved from much. And so my passion for God's word, my passion to teach it didn't come as soon as I got saved because I was eight years old. And I was interested in so many other things. But it came in my later years, and I, I really understood what it meant to, to serve for people, to sacrifice for people. And then aside from ministry, then getting married, learning how selfish I was, but still wanting to sacrifice for everybody else. And there was a part, and Cheryl can attest to this, there was a part in our first couple of years, even after we had our first son, where I was so willing and eager to drop anything and everything to serve somebody and help somebody while neglecting my own family. And so what God began to work, teach, teach me at that point was, you know, Jacob, you're neglecting your first ministry. Like that's, I think you mentioned something about that, but that's, that's the first and foremost. That's, that's the most important thing for you is my wife and now my three little ones that run around the house like crazy and drive my wife crazy and drive me crazy. But that's it. And so um, I, I knew at a young age, what I had a passion for was I wanted to serve people. I wanted to be at their feet. I wanted to help them. I wanted to give things away to them. I was so, I was like, part of it feels good, you know? Like, let's be honest. It's better to give than to receive. It's nice to receive, but it's better to give. So yeah, there's some things in there that I'm like, I really like doing this. This feels really good. But it really was because I felt God compelling me to do so. And then I began to discover in my later years, I began to discover this thing. And it wasn't until I was 18 years old that I I actually read it all and I checked off every single book. And I just had a passion for this. In fact, um, I have here in my Psalm 119, 103, which says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Like I put this in my Bible because this is everything to me. This means everything to me. So forget about church and my role here. Man, I I had two great passions of mine. It was serving people and now getting to teach this thing. I never forget the first time I ever got to teach this word was here. My brother-in-law, who was the youth pastor, asked me to lead a Sunday school. And I definitely was more concerned about what I was wearing than what I was teaching. But I never forget it because I got up there and I was easily, you know, humbled. Like nobody cared about what I was wearing but about what I was teaching. And I think there might have been some people in this room who were in that class I don't know what I taught, but I loved it. I said, "God, I'll give my life for this. That this is what you want me to do." And so that was the years where I was trying to figure out where I was going to be, what I was going to do. So, yeah.
1: Okay, my turn.
0: Yeah, yeah, your turn.
1: I have watched Jacob, so his personal growth is intact. I've had the privilege in the last two years to watch him. You may not know this; some of you are new or looking in online. Of course, we have six kids. Two we took in. So my oldest married a minister. And he got to work with us for 14 years. Of course, you guys know Megan and J.W. And so just she is just being used in her neighborhood, in her church. When she plays ball, she's she's continuing the example that we set for them, that in everything you do, uh, bring God glory. Then, of course, I had Joshua, who's here in the community. He's my next son. He is a minister, for those that don't know that. He's probably done about 25 albums. He's well-known in, in South Florida and... I feel that he could become the most popular Christian singer in the world. Of course, that's a proud daddy talking about his son, I'm sure of that. But he is excellent. Now he's doing devotions. Pretty soon I think he's going to be writing writing books. But God has used him. And I, I never knew that God would do that from me that was a filthy sinner at 20 years old and at 24 and a half years old with a ninth grade education. I never knew that God would do that through me. And then my next oldest, of course, is Jacob. And then we took someone in off the streets. We led him to Christ he he went to Norland Seminary, became a pastor, and uh, he just moved recently in the last month from here pastoring in here to North Carolina. <clears throat> and then my uh, we brought a girl in, and she married a pastor's son, and he's hoping to become a youth pastor. All that came from our family. And then my last son, he is a builder, so he's one of the guys that I just read about. He's he has a, a business degree. He's an officer in the military. Uh, he went to engineering school in the military, and now he's building homes. I think someday, though, that he'll be doing what we're doing just because he's told us that. So that's what God has done through our family, which why am I talking about that? I want to bring your attention to First Timothy. Not only is your personal life. Very, very important. That you must have a good report within and without. And I've seen that in the life of Jacob over the last two years. I got to work with him side by side. I didn't get to work with him over the last eight years. So he came here, and I've watched his walk. I've watched um, how he interacts with people, how he deals with leadership. And I am just so blessed to watch the anointing of God in his life. But then the Bible tells us something about the family. The family is a platform whereby you must see Christ operating in my family and operating in Jacob's family. So let me draw your attention to that. In 1 Timothy 3, 4 through 5, the scripture teaches us that a bishop, a shepherd, he must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. He must do it in a manner worthy of respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? My wife and I felt the overwhelming uh, burden, but a welcome burden, of how we needed to do that. And so we began to work on that right away. And I got my cue from Malachi 2.15 when the scripture teaches us, That our marriages should produce a godly offspring. In fact, every chance that I have when I do officiate wedding ceremonies, I always remind those observing about this truth. Has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? A godly offspring. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. It's not just for us. It's for, that's how God is advancing his kingdom. It's through your family. Your family is a platform to communicate the gospel to your children first because those are your first disciples. How can you take over a life group if you don't even know how to manage your own kids, if you don't communicate the gospel to them? So it is extremely important that we practice what we preach in our own home. Again, if you have failed in this area, you can always get right with your children, and you can then repent of that, and you then can go on to communicate to others the good, uh, the, the good news of Jesus Christ. So don't don't... Write yourself off because you didn't do it perfectly. I don't understand why people get saved in their 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s, but people do get saved at all different ages. And, and God can still use you even if you did not do it perfectly. So just remember that. But that is what God desires. He did not create marriage to make you happy necessarily, but to make you holy. And he wants you to give him back a godly offspring. And that's exactly what God did through the Bramus family. And here's my sort of vision for my family, which ultimately became the vision for our church, and that I communicated to Jacob about this. It's found in Micah 4.2. It says, and many nations shall come and say, come and ways And we will walk in his paths, for the law shall go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. From this passage is where I found the theme to raise my family, then ultimately it became the vision for the church. And you see it uh, over the doorpost of the sanctuary when you walk in, living God's way. There was a passion for our family. To live for God everywhere we go, everything we do, every day of our lives. Now you're thinking, wow, that sounds like you were some great saint. Well, my family knows we weren't the perfect saints. But it was a platform. Either we communicated the good news of Jesus Christ or we detracted from the good news of Jesus Christ. So if we were getting in the car to go out to a ball game, it was time to talk and pray. If you're going out in the pitcher's mound, I would say Jacob or Joshua, you're going out to that mound, and they're going to watch you. All the fans are watching you. They're going to, they're going to watch you if you throw a ball or if the, if the coach gets you off the pitcher's mound because you're pitching a terrible game and how you walk off that field. We will talk about all these things. And so what am I trying to communicate to you and to Jacob? You see, in everything we do, it's a time to talk about God. And so we intermingled, God, I'm just using that terminology, with, with everything that we did.
0: If I can could. jump into that, Dad, because that, that, was, that was true. Like, I can stand up here and attest to that. Every, everywhere we went, didn't matter the season or situation, he was talking about Jesus. And we would say, Dad, now's not the time. <laughs> you know, not, we don't have to pray for people all the time. We got to buy these groceries and get out of here. And he's trying to witness to the cashier. You know, we got to go, Dad. The food is getting cold. And... Um, but that, that, was, that was always, and if there's anything I learned from, there's a ton of things that I've learned from you, Dad, but it's that. It's that there's always a season to pray. First Thessalonians 5, 17, pray continually. Doesn't mean, you know, when there's a circumstance that arises or there's a need or when somebody's hurting. It was every opportunity, every moment. Like I said, baseball games, I don't need to pray. Then I'm going to pitch the ball straight. But maybe I could, and maybe God will allow it to. So it was, it was always, and it was every time to point to Jesus. You know, I'll never forget, it was... Um, Two, two years ago or so, it was your birthday. I think it would have been 2021. I get up on this stage and I'm like, I'm going to honor my dad. It's his birthday. He's not going to know this. It's going to be awesome. Because he doesn't, anytime you try and honor my dad, he's like, you know, Jesus, Jesus. And I'm like, all right, dad, it's your birthday. Come on, church, can we celebrate my dad's birthday? I didn't tell you how old he was turning, but, you know, I brought him up on stage. And I'm like, dad, it's your birthday. Let's celebrate you. And he like points to Jesus. And I was like, dad, this is about you. And inside I can hear him saying, this is about Jesus. I'm only alive because of Jesus. And so that meant a lot to me. I'll never forget that moment. I, there's a picture that I have of that moment too. So, so um, you're right and it's true. Every moment, every season.
1: Again, that doesn't mean perfection. It just means a way of life. And I know many of you that I have the privilege of shepherding are doing that right now. Mm-hmm. You're raising up your kids in the Lord. But that is a requirement. Why am I talking about that? That's a requirement of Jacob, that he must have a good report from within the church and from outside the church. But he also must raise his kids properly. So Jacob, get your kids in line in this thing. and the same. We're trying. When they come over, when they come over Grandpa's house, I wish you would tell them to quit jumping on the couch. I don't like my kids jumping. That's that's a real, I don't like the kids jumping on the couch. So you get them in order. Listen, my mom
0: says that I was the worst when I was little, and God is just punishing me for that. And so I've got, I mean, most of our kids are great, but there's one that's just a little harder. So in a calling, in a calling,
1: you must have the walk. Again, you must forgive Jacob and myself when we do not do things perfectly. We're saints, like you are, that have sinned, and God forgives us just as much as he forgives you. But overall, he has a good walk, and he he and his wife, Cheryl, operate their family according to the word of God, which you know and I know they do. But the third thing is really a big one, and that is having a passion for the kingdom of God, that that's what he desires to do with all his heart. And the scripture talks about, again, wanting to you to give him a godly offspring because the kingdom of God is advancing and growing all the time. Remember, God said the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It starts small and then it continues to grow. So God wants his family to grow. I believe he wants this church to grow for his name's sake because he's still adding people into the kingdom of God. But that's not gonna come through Jacob. What I mean by that is so many of uh, church growth philosophers believe that you should bring the lost people to church. This has been a beef of mine for 20, 35 years, and the pastor is supposed to lead them to Christ. Actually, our job is to equip you. We'll do that on our own. We'll do that too. But he wants us to equip you to go out there and win your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, and your community to Jesus Christ. That's how a church should grow naturally, not because we put on some skit, we have the greatest worship team in plantation, or because we have the greatest preacher in South Florida. That's not what it's about. It's us being able to communicate the good news of Jesus Christ in such a way that you love him and you understand your role in the kingdom of God. And I just want to remind you of the passages a couple passages that tell us to do that, and that's found in Corinthians. If you think I'm not exactly teaching the truth, let me revert your attention to 2 Corinthians 5. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died, and he died for all, That those who live should no longer live for themselves. That's not just for pastors. But for him who died for them and raised again. And then 2 Corinthians 5.20 adds to this. We, that's all of us here, are therefore God's ambassadors. Catch this. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you, On Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So when you and me are asking someone to come to Christ, that is God's ultimate plan, not Jacob's responsibility alone, but our privilege to literally, I was listening to a message on this the other day by John MacArthur as I was working out. He said, God, when you're begging, you're begging someone to come to Christ. Well, God is working through you, appealing to that person to come to the Father through Jesus Christ. So it's all of our jobs to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ. It's our privilege to represent him, to um, advance his kingdom. So again, the specifics is that we must uh, walk the walk. And number two, our family must resemble what the scripture teaches, and that is to run our household very well and then have a passion for the kingdom of God And, And Jacob. That's his passion. That's what he desires to do. He wants to advance the kingdom of God. He wants to preach the gospel. And I've been able to see that over the last two years as well as watching his activity over the last eight years. I just want to talk a little bit now about the vision of the church in general. This is brief, and then we'll get to the future of VLC. The vision of the church basically from my viewpoint, this is the church in general. This is not this church necessarily. I wanted to keep it simple. You know, someone said that I was going to be another Billy Graham or I wanted to be a famous actor, but I understand that God wanted to do something different for my life. We haven't grown big vertically, but horizontally. Through the, all the years that I've been in ministry, many have gone out and are in full-time ministry, beginning with my own family, as I just alluded to a while ago. Now you know that we have... Not only six kids, but now we have 16 grandkids, and our kids are already training their kids to quote Scripture, to read Scripture, and to meditate on the Word of God. And they are raising their kids according to the Word of God. But my passion was to keep it simple, to keep the ministry simple and not make it into a business. You see, you have families to raise, Take the average family, pretend Jacob's not in ministry. He's married. He has three children. If he goes to work and she goes to work, they come home. They have to bathe their kids. They have to do their schoolwork. They're involved in activities in the community or at school or in sports. How in the world can they be down at this building all the time? So I never wanted to build a megachurch on the backs of God's people. I never wanted to do that. So, I wanted it to be large enough so that we could sustain a ministry, support missionaries, but enable you to raise godly families. Where did I get that from? The family that took me in their home when I got saved, Jacob, I watched them. They loved Jesus, they were involved in everything in the church, they were down there four or five times a week. But their, I, they took me in their home, but their other four kids struggled their entire lives in their relationship with Jesus Christ. Although it grieves me to even say one negative thing about this family that took me in their home. They were down at this building all the time when they should have been where? At home raising their kids. So that's been a philosophy of mine ever since I've entered the ministry. I never wanted to build a mega church on the backs of people. However, if it happens naturally, because Jacob, Jacob, and I are communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ to you, and you're going home, and you're being an example in your community, and to your family, and to your co-workers, and they're getting saved, and they're coming to the church, and they're getting baptized. That is natural growth from my perspective. Now, Jacob may have a little bit of a different perspective and a different approach. And by the way, I don't mind you bringing a lost person to church. I can't. Don't send me an email saying I don't, or text me I don't. I don't want people to, a lost person to come to church. But church, by its definition, is called out believers. Believers in Christ that come to worship God. Lost people don't want to worship God. Hmm. Think about that God is working on in your life. And they'll come in and they'll hear the gospel and they will be saved. There's nothing wrong with that. I agree. So that's been my passion, Jacob, about um, my philosophy. And another thing is not burden the church with debt. I've talked to Jacob a lot about that in the last two years. All of us know the two or three major things that tear apart a family. Finances, communication, right, and sex. Those are the three major issues that can really tear apart a marriage. And I said, Jacob, you don't want that burden on your family, and neither do you want to put that burden on the church. And so it's a long story how this church got in the situation it's in right now. But one of the passions I had was to lead this church debt-free. So you're sitting in a three, four, five, six, I don't know what the price of this building is now, probably five, six million dollars, this land and this facilities, 19,000 uh, uh, 19, square feet under air, that God has used my ministry to help get you in these facilities so that we would have a permanent place to launch ministry from. And uh, that burden has not come upon you. It's come from saints long ago in the 1980s, in the 1990s, and then when I took over the church in 1998, which has been 25 years ago, the day they voted on me, Jacob, you better hope this doesn't happen on December 11th, they voted on me and the church burnt two days after they voted on I me, mean, they hadn't even counted the votes, and the church went up in smoke. So Jacob, December 11th, <laughs> they're going to be voting on you.
0: Okay, Which no fire, please. Which
1: brings me to our last point this morning that I, I want to talk about just for a few minutes, and that is the vision for VLC, the future of <clears throat> VLC. Not only have I had a passion <clears throat> to see people come to Christ, and to grow a church, but not on the backs of the saints, and to keep it debt-free. But I wanted to plan for its future, that it would have a long life. This is God's church. And what happened was there was a church down the road, um, D. James Kennedy's church. How many know D. James, Who's D. James Kennedy's church is? Coleridge. He built it from ground up. And what a brilliant man. And all the ministries that he started, Evangelist Explosion, which my son now works for, my son and daughter-in-law in North Carolina. <clears throat> he was in his 80s, and uh, he had not prepared the church for a successor, and he died suddenly. And if anyone knows the history about uh, Cole Ridge, it went through about 10 years of a rough time, and the church split, and a lot of the founders went into a school and then another pastor came in and he tried to destroy any remembrance of D. James Kennedy and it just was a big, big mess. I had the privilege of playing once or twice um, tennis with D. James Kennedy. I wasn't friends with him, but I knew he was a brilliant man and I couldn't understand for the life of me why he did not prepare for his successor. And so when that happened, I believe God planted a seed in my mind to make sure that I love God enough and love this church enough that I would look for its successor. Even though I'm not ready to go out in a flame yet, um, I believe that God wanted me to pick a successor that you would approve of. So that was my other passion, that before I left the ministry, really, a pastor never leaves the ministry, and, and I, I'm not leaving the ministry. So I want to talk a little bit about that, Jacob. Um, tell them a little bit about what your, your vision for the future of VLC is. What, where, where do you want to take us, and what is your role? in? since you're going to be the pastor, what's my role going to be here, Jacob? <clears throat>
0: Uh, there's a few things that I, that I want to share, and I think two things that God has really burdened me with, and it really came from where I was at. I got to be a part of a church for eight years serving as a student pastor. Then I moved to kind of become a volunteer coordinator, and I got to watch my pastor at that time, who God began to develop in him a, a, a heart for the lostness of the city, and again. You know, we know where we stand on evangelism and reaching the lost, but it became a burden of mine just to see people saved. But I knew that that wasn't it because I've been a part of camps and conferences where, you know, 100 people would come up and get saved and we'd celebrate and then they'd walk out of the doors and, and they'd go right back to their lifestyle. And I'm like, what happened? There was such a moment here. And I just know, just from my 31 years of experiencing life, that if we live based upon moments, then we're we're always going to be looking for the next moment. We're always going to be looking for what next is going to please me and give me that spiritual high that I need. And so I I was determined. I said, I want to see people saved, but I also want to see people finish well. You know, we're not justified by belief. We're justified by faith. And if I can go back to a moment I had with a conversation with with JC, who's a mentor of mine. I've got several mentors that I meet with and talk to, and I'm just – and I want to learn everything. I really do, and I want to be held accountable. And I told JC, I said, "JC, I'm doing this with you. I'm talking with you. I'm opening up my heart. I'm confessing all my sins with you, because I want to start well." And I'll never forget what you said to me, JC. You said, "I'm trying to finish well." And I was like, just blown away by, by, me. You know, he's a little older than me. Here I am getting started. Here my dad is. Dad, you're not finishing, but you're. You know, you, you, I think about the passage that says, I've, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. That's the scripture you shared with me, JC. And I can't stop thinking about that because, yeah, I've seen, I've seen a, a fifth grader step into youth ministry and then graduate college, and I've got to be a part of that. And it's the coolest thing to see people walk in their purpose. It's the coolest thing to see people continuing to live by faith regardless of the circumstance that's presenting before them. It's just amazing to see. I love it. And now I get to be a part of not just, a, not just you know, sixth grade to graduating college, but now sixth grade to or even pre-K to just finishing life to somebody's last dying breath. And I want to be there. I want to help. I want to pray. I want to love. I want to see people enter into the kingdom of heaven and God saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. You finished well. And so I know there's a lot in between there and for the sake of time we're, we're skipping through, through some things but man I just I want to honor the I think one thing if I can say and share with you and close with you is I'm going to honor the foundation that's, that's been built here and I told my dad and I told our team this past week as we came in here we prayed for, for an hour or so I said you know this this Vision Sunday really isn't about celebrating the 25 years of success my dad has had or it's not really about maybe the 25 plus years that I may have here but it's about what God is doing. It's about what God has already done. It's about what he's doing now in this moment. It's about what he's gonna do for the future of VLC. Talk about a legacy for my dad to be a part of. Talk about a legacy for the pastor before him. Talk about a legacy for the pastor after me. That's even crazy to think about because I'm just starting this, but yet I've got to think about who's gonna take this afterwards. And so um, I'm gonna honor that foundation. I wanna honor the past. You know, it's, it's been a journey for my wife and I because, you know, Dad, you called me back in Um, was it March of 2020? That's when I got the- during COVID. That's when I got the text message. My wife and I loved our church. We loved our family. We bought a house, started having kids. You know, we were doing everything that we were supposed to do. Then I get a text message from my dad saying, hey, what do you think about coming back to VLC and at some point, you know, becoming my successor? And I remember immediately thinking, I'm good, dad, I'm good. I love where I'm at. No hard feelings, please. Like my wife and I loved our church. We loved our friends. We had some of our, our best friends at this church. And we were doing things for the Lord. And, you know, we, then, we, then because we were at home all day doing absolutely nothing, I was working a little bit, like us all. You know, we were working at home. But we got to praying. And if you don't want God to do anything in your life, don't pray. But if you want God to do something in your life, start to pray. And so we prayed. And God began to shift, you know, my perspective a little bit on possibly coming back, you know, it's my dad and, but I didn't really know what was going on at VLC because I've been gone and I was only 45 minutes north. I just never made it to a Sunday. So I had no idea what the church was like. And we began to pray. And then we came here for Father's Day because we we weren't having church in-person services still. And so We came here for father's day and i remember sitting right here in this front row on the right side which is weird because now i always sit on i guess it's your right my right whatever so i was sitting over here with my wife and i left thinking holy cow cheryl that is a a healthy church not just healthy but that is was a diverse church and a multi-generational church that's what i walked away with feeling i was like I didn't know that VLC, and this was post-COVID and, you know, things started to grow then, but I didn't know when I say post-COVID, I mean post-COVID here at VLC because this is a little different than what post-COVID was for the world. I didn't realize what God was doing here. And I showed up and I was like, this is amazing. This is a healthy, diverse, multi-generational church. And I want to promise you something here. This is going to continue to be a healthy diverse, and multi-generational church. And I believe that it's going to be a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, God-honoring church. And um, I actually, you know, my dad's like, do you have any, can you put something on paper? And I was, I got some things that I want to share next year for sure. But I do have, I do have a vision statement that I, that I might want to share here. And it's we exist to live the way that God has intended for us to live. It's exactly the same thing, living God's way. I just changed it up a little bit. But it's the same thing. I want people to live God's way in everything they do, every place they go, everyone they talk to, every moment they encounter. I want them to live and pray and do it the way that God has intended for us to live. And the only way we're gonna do that is if we know this thing. And so I'm gonna commit to you, church. I sound like I'm a politician. I'm gonna commit to you for the next four years. We're gonna preach this thing and we're gonna preach all of it. And we're not skipping any of it. And you may be offended, but that's okay because God has put on us a burden to teach the word of God. And I love this thing. It's changed my life and I hope it changes yours. And I hope it continues to change yours. So dad, from the bottom of my heart, mom, from the bottom of my heart, I'm so glad to be in this place. I wouldn't want anything else. When I tell you that me and my wife are struggling to figure out if this is really what God wanted, he confirmed that like 10 times over. He confirmed it. I could share with you things that only happen in the supernatural that happened and took place. And I prayed, I said, God, I need you to change my wife's heart. And somebody told me, stop praying that God would change your wife's heart. Tell God that he would align both of your hearts. And I'll never forget the day she told me, she's like, let's do it. And I was like, let's do it. She's like, let's do it. And so we came over here and um, was it November 2nd of 2020? We showed up here and I plan on being here for as long as the Lord allows. I love this place. I love God more, but I love this place.
1: You know, but you can see the chemistry between Jacob and I as we um, get ready to end. I, I do want to say that uh, I want to still to answer a couple questions, meaning some people have asked me, well, what is your role? And so I want Jacob just to, to share a little bit of what his role is and my role is because I'm not leaving the church at all. I'm still a full-time member and a pastor here. Uh, but I have thoroughly enjoyed working with Jacob. I've watched him. I, we, again, we play together. We golf together. Play pickleball together. We party together at our house. My kids invite me places with them. I invite them. We have great chemistry. He loves the Lord. He has a... Uh, he, he doesn't like confrontation. Um, some people think I like confrontation, but I really don't. I'm just willing to address it. So I, I've been able to tell Jacob that's inevitable and he handles it in such a great way he is able to for elders to speak into his life he does it so easily he allows you to speak into his life so um, I could see the anointing of God on his hand and I know Friday or Thursday we were here and I put my arm around him and hugged him and kissed him it was okay it's okay for dads to kiss their sons and so I did that to him and said Jacob I love you I'm proud of you He's not here because he's my son. He's here because of the anointing of God. And I know you might have a hard time understanding that, but also you know that. And then I selected about seven to ten men to help verify that. I brought them before you about a month ago. They talk to us. They see that anointing also. So it's not something that's being forced. But we do have a specific role, and Jacob, as we end, just kind of, tell them what those specific roles are so they kind of have an understanding exactly uh, what we'd be doing as we, as I reposition myself in the church for 2023.
0: Yeah, I think that's the key word right there is reposition because he's not retiring. I don't think my dad's ever going to retire to the day he dies. And even then he's going to go up to heaven. He's going to be like, all right, Lord, I'm ready to be used. What do you need? Who needs some teaching? Um, So, you know, it's really repositioning and we, we kind of put on paper some of our strengths and maybe our weaknesses and things that we feel God has called us or burdened us to. But r- really for the last year, and you can attest to this, that you kind of handed over some ownership to me.
1: Right, you've been doing that for the whole, all last year. Some
0: leadership with, with the preaching schedule, with, with weekend services. With, Working uh, with the staff. With vision, you know, with this year being, making ourselves available. That, that was a huge thing for me and my wife, saying, hey, we're gonna be available to wh- whatever God has for us and wherever he wants us to be. And so as next year rolls around, you know, we're, we're still going to continue to preach. He's still going to be up here preaching. Um, we're going to focus a lot more on, um, we really believe that growth happens in the context of relationships. We're really going to focus more on, on small groups. And, and Dad, you already have a passion for that. On discipleship, we're going we're to be introducing like a growth track next year to walk new people through, through a class of saying, hey, here's kind of the, the, the simple steps of what it means to be a church member and what it means to you know, believe in God and what it means to then get baptized, what it means to serve, what it means to be a part of a group. So those things we're going to roll out and introduce next year. Um, as far as teams, you know, I'll be overseeing some of those things and kind of the social media platform and foot that we kind of have here, but, uh, it's really together, working together, you know, honoring God and all that we do. And it's been a joy and I hope it is can, you know, continues to be. A joy. And as long as you let me boss you around a little bit, that'd be nice. For, <laughs> just kidding. I've told my dad, I said, You can work here as long as you want for the rest of your life and we'll pay. You, you don't need to leave. I want you here. I want you to know from my heart that I, I want my parents to be here at this church. The foundation they've laid, and we haven't even talked about the burden that you have to carry being a, being a lead pastor, that I've watched them walk through the struggles, the issues, the you know, people's problems become your problem and carries into the family, but I've seen my dad do it really well. And I've been like, I wanna do that because he's done it really well. And so there's, there's all of those things that I'm like, man, I don't wanna do this alone. And so I have a unique, a unique position because I've got friends who are my age that have planted churches and they're doing great jobs. But they tell, they tell me, Jacob, I don't, have any, I don't have any help. I don't have anybody, I don't have anybody older. That's the one thing one of my friends always says, is he says, I got no wisdom in the church. And I thank God I'm not the oldest person in this house. Because there wouldn't be a lot of wisdom. And so I thank you for the people who have gone further than than me, who have built this. And I thank, Dad, I thank you for the wisdom that you're going to impart and continue to impart. So I'm not doing this by myself. I thank God I'm not doing this by myself. I'm not sure how it would look five years from now. But I'm very grateful that I'm doing it with you guys. I'm very grateful I'm doing it with my dad and I'm very grateful to be doing it with my mom as well. So on on December
1: 11th, uh, it, it, the attention was I'm, I'm not real comfortable not insecure I'm not comfortable with all the attention being on us but because he becoming become an elite pastor I thought it was very very important that you hear from both of us because after all we're both going to be shepherding you but he's going to be the lead pastor he's going to be casting new vision for us and I'm going to be there uh, supporting and shepherding and like you said doing bible studies and that so on December the 11th I'm gonna ask you, those who are members, we're gonna be giving you a card that you will fill out, you'll have your name or have a a place for you to put your name on there. We're gonna be voting on the budget, we'll be voting on Jacob, and we're gonna be voting on our trustee. So I really ask you, and I believe so does our sounding board members ask you to go ahead and cast your vote for Jacob to be the next lead pastor in beginning in 2023. And then January the 15th, we are going to begin the celebration uh the sounding board team is going to lead you in a time of celebration of us uh passing the baton and me repositioning myself on the staff here at vlc so i pray that we didn't say everything that we wanted to say but i hope you got a little bit of a glimpse of what we felt we wanted to communicate to you at this time so we pray that you will support us support what we believe god is doing at victory life church would you stand at this time and by the way um his wife is Cheryl, but my wife is Cheryl. That's really kind of weird. to so have two Sheryls as, as pastor's wives. So you'll want to be praying for Jacob. And so um, we'll be doing that on December and then January. We'll be bringing her up and praying for both of them. But Father, right now, um, as we think about the calling of God on this church and on our lives, I know people are listening and people that are present today may be wondering, what does this have to do with them? father we believe enough was said that they understand that whatever they're doing whatever trade whatever predicament they find themselves in the steps of a righteous man or woman is called by God ordained by God including our mistakes that you forgive us of so remind them right where they're at that you want to work through them to advance the kingdom of God beginning with their family their neighborhood the job. Please, advance your kingdom. May we have the privilege of this church, Victory Life Church, may we have the privilege of helping you advance the kingdom of God by seeing souls saved, baptized, and dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask that anointing to continue to be upon this church and upon your future servant, lead pastor here, Jacob Bramus. And I pray, Father, that you remind all the people here that we cannot do it without them, their faithfulness to you in being here, believing that there's a light here, that you want to use this church, their faithfulness in being a part of of discipleship, their faithfulness in giving. I pray that you remind them that they have an important role in the life of this church in the future of this church. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Of course, you wonder, could anybody really get saved under a message like this? Yes, they could. So if you're looking in online this morning, you can fill out the tag section. I'd like to know a little bit more about what's happening at VLC. We'll get in contact with you. Of course, if you're our first-time guest, you don't know a lot of what's going on, so be sure to hand in that Connect card. I will call you. I will invite myself over your house or invite you to come in my office and have a visit Find out what God's doing in your life. And of course, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, all you have to do is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. God bless you and you have a wonderful day. But let's go out praising God with this last song. What's the name of it? All Hail King Jesus. All Hail King Jesus.